definitely human. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Humans, it's Monday, 20 to 6, summer 2414. My name is David. And my name is David. And there's a chill in the air this morning. <laughs> Indeed, Dave, we recommend wrapping up snug, slip into a sleeping bag, and treat yourself to a hot drink as you listen to our warm and comforting voices. And if you don't have a sleeping bag, you can make one, either by scooping up mounds of earth onto your body or hollowing out a moderately sized animal. Dave and I are currently wearing everything we own, which has made it rather difficult to move about, hasn't it, Dave? <laughs> it certainly has, David. But I'd rather be stuck in one place than dead. Yes, indeed. So, Dave, how's the traffic looking out there? Well, I'm happy to report that the wasteland is back to its usual quiet self. The mass of travellers from last month are all gone now. Some have journeyed over the edge of the map and into the great unknown. Most have succumbed to play. They stand even now in large groups, out in the icy wastes, like the main attraction to Frozen Sculpture Garden. Coming up on today's show, there's a short story about the death of a Spanish general. We hear from Mystic Martin, Gardner Marisha Trembeska, and teenage news reporter Emma Sterling. Plus, there's an interview, lots of nice music, and songs. But first, this is the last recorded message from the space shuttle Suavatar Rilia, and it neatly fits into our today's topic, Journeys. This is George Pierce of the Space Shuttle Suvatorelia. The overview effect 
The term was coined by author Frank White in 1987 and refers to the experience of seeing the Earth in space. Not photographs of the Earth taken by satellites and beamed into your computers to be used as desktop backgrounds and shitty inspirational quotes. The actual Earth in actual space. That's what I'm looking at now, a fragile little thing, glimmering in the void, suspended in the darkness like a Christmas bauble. From here, our world has no boundaries. It's a single organism, and all the greatest feats of humankind seem paradoxically awe-inspiring and trivial. I know what I'm supposed to think. I know what I'm supposed to feel. Most astronauts respond to the overview effect with some kind of cognitive shift. They start talking about the importance of planetary unity and a desire to see our species outgrow its adolescent tribalism and apathy, to work together for the global good. But all I'm thinking is, so long, suckers. Watching that pale blue dot slowly melt away into the darkness to be lost in the void forever fills me with a giddy excitement I haven't felt since I was a kid, hitchhiking my way out of the godforsaken town I was born in. For many, that primal instinct to get up and go, to fly the nest, is softened by distractions, nine-to-five jobs, nuclear families, comfort and security. Many get caught up in nationalism. They say, this patch of mud where I was born is better than that patch of mud where you were born. We indulge in petty squabbling with our neighbours and focus our efforts on being the best, the best human, the best tribe. Goals that seem so important to those unenlightened by the overview effect. In 1969, humans took their first tentative steps on the moon, in the Sea of Tranquility, part of a huge dick-wagging contest between two nations, two vastly contrasting ideologies that hardly seems to matter anymore. We're going to Mars. Not because we can, but because we have to. We're going to colonise and terraform. It's the new frontier. You see, it feels like the grass is often greener on the other side, but only because you've made the decision to go there, to travel, to see for yourself, and along the way, you were changed by the experience. You are the thing that improved, not the grass. And we still have that instinct to go, to explore, as we always have from Africa to the stars. We reach out always for something more, hands trembling with the strain of it. I'm not really an astronaut. I'm an adventurer. A cowboy. And Mars isn't going to be New Earth. We're leaving that behind. Forget about it. Mars will be whatever we want it to be. And we'll figure it out when we get there. You're listening to The Bunker, and no doubt wondering why the show is running along smoothly like a well-oiled robot prostitute. Well, our regular listeners will probably have some vague recollection of a third member of The Bunker crew. His name was Tom, and he was the personification of our rustic charm. Tom has left The Bunker and is currently on a journey of his own, exploring a vast, treacherous underground tunnel in search of the great outdoors. Let's give him a call and see how he's getting on. Tom, it's good to hear from you. How are you getting on, mate? I thought I told you guys to call me in a few hours. Oh, don't be like that. We wanted to give our listeners a chance to catch up with you. You nearly killed me. 
I'm attempting to navigate an extremely narrow ledge along a chasm. It's difficult enough without you guys distracting me. Understood, Tom. We have no intention of distracting you. Uh, but while you're on the line, tell us a bit more about this chasm. <sighs> There's an abyss beneath me, a long drop into darkness, and above I can just make out a sliver of sky, but the rock around me is too smooth to climb. It's wet, water is falling down all around, and I think I can hear a river far below. I've got to cling to the rock wall and edge along this little path. You've been travelling underground for about a month now. Have you run into situations like this a lot? No. The tunnel had some kind of structure before. The walls were bricked, and there were metal tracks along the ground. But every so often my way would be blocked by rubble, and I'd be diverted through these narrow, more rudimentary tunnels. They look like they've been dug out with pickaxes. But this chasm is something new. I was just... <gasps> What's wrong? I, I, I think I saw a light far down below, but that's impossible. Well, don't just stand there. Get a better look. I'm leaning out as far as I dare, but I can't quite see what it is. Lean out a little more. Uh, no, must I can't see anything. Come on, Tom, this is important. Stop being such a scaredy cat. Okay, Ooh. it could be some kind of boat, maybe. It's so far beneath me, it just looks like a little blob of light in the void. I can't lean any further than this. He who dares wins, Thomas. Okay, hey, maybe if I just... <laughs> Tom, are you there? Hello? Huh. That didn't sound good. He's probably just a little occupied. We'll give him another call later. Uh, but now, a message from our sponsors. Making friends in the 23rd century can be a real drag. Who has time to go on the human database and read the statistics of potential platonic partners? And when you finally do find someone, they never live up to your expectations. They're boring, self-involved, and don't agree with every single thing you say. Introducing Freezer Friends. Freezer friends are 21st century people who've been cryogenically frozen for hundreds of years. Boxes and boxes of these retro curiosities have been found in our global warehouses and all of them must go. Choose from our extensive catalogue of old-timey people, each with soft, malleable brains for you to imprint your perfect personality onto. Or, for a fraction of the price, take your chances with our lucky dip. What will you get? An athlete waiting for reconstructive surgery? A terminally ill billionaire? A psychopathic killer? They won't stay frozen forever, so come and get them while they're cold. Freezer Friends, new from Happiness Inc. Mm. 
As you can probably tell from that cracking sound, Burton's body is undergoing a kind of forced elongation as his limbs stretch to an uncanny length and his jaw unhinges like some kind of fleshy snake. If he is unable to find meat to consume, his body will wither up and he will die. Not that his current state is any kind of living that we would recognise. His mind is completely smashed. Burton has rotted from within. There's nothing particularly human about him anymore. He half walks, half crawls on his absurd crab-like arms and legs, his gaping mouth contorted into a leering grin, his eyes wide and fixed on my admittedly impressive legs. He is just another victim of a plague that is sweeping the country, another mindless carrier, a vessel for the end of all things. Emma Sterling, The Bunker News. Thanks, Emma. Now back to Tom, who has just regained consciousness and is eager to tell you all about his adventure. Tom, how are you getting on? Oh, my head. Hi, Tom. Are you all right? Oh, yes, I'm okay. I, I appear to be on some kind of makeshift raft, which is loaded with crates of strange plants and crustaceans. The captain of this vessel is a hooded figure who is using a large staff to paddle us along a great black river. Uh, hello there! Hello! He waved. What can you see around you? Um, as far as I can tell, we're in a flooded tunnel. It's too dark to see anything. Our passage is lit by a lamp on a stick attached to the raft. The walls of the tunnel are partly covered by immense mushrooms and predominantly slime. Hold on. There's a light ahead. Is it daylight? I hope so. I really hope so. Oh! What? We've come to a clearing. We've come to a clearing. The tunnel has opened out and... You're not going to believe this. We're in some kind of underground settlement. There are buildings all around us made of old world junk and built on stilts. There are people here. Animals. Children playing. I can smell food. I can't remember the last time I actually smelled food. It doesn't smell like long pig, does it? No. This place is... I think it's civilised. Hold on, we're docking. Uh, I'm going to ask the captain where I am. Uh, Excuse me. Hello, Tom. Hey, wait a minute. I know you. Yes. You're Jonathan Day. We played an old interview with you in our third broadcast. That's right. I'm a fan of the show. You must be as old as I am. I guess you have a stash of Tanoff for a drug. Shh! Keep it down! The others, they think I'm a wizard. Oh, right. Yes, you three are not the only ones that survived the big headache. There is a place, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, just act casual. Gentle sir, my name is John the Trustworthy, and this is my merry band of... musicians. Hello, stranger. That's a nice coat you're wearing. I think I'd look good in that coat. Gideon! 
Don't be so rude. This stranger is our guest. Now then, Tom, you must allow us to play you a song by way of a greeting. This one is called Hail to the Spider King and His Silver Throne of Lies, Part 5, The Jester's Lament. <coughs> Ahem. in the bucket, please. Oh, right. Ah, seven disposable lighters. You are most generous, sir. Uh-oh. What's happened? It's a sky shake. Everyone inside. Hello? Hello? Hmm. We'll return to Tom a bit later, but first... Today we're going to talk about the monomyth. The monomyth is a cyclical quest that is undertaken by a mythical hero. It is associated with story theorist Joseph Campbell, who viewed it as central to human storytelling and mythmaking. The monomyth has a number of stages that a character will typically go through. The first is separation. A hero, living a mundane life, receives a calling, one they refuse at first but ultimately heed. They will have an aide, usually an older person, to offer wisdom. Eventually, they leave the known world and step into the unknown. Following this separation from normal life comes initiation. This is where the hero is transformed by overcoming obstacles, resisting temptation, confronting that which has power over them, until finally a death, spiritual or physical, is followed by a rebirth into a new enlightened state. The transformation complete, they achieve the goal of the original calling. With the goal realised, the hero undertakes the final stage, the return crossing back over the thresholds to their original life and bringing with them new knowledge or power. Finally, they are free from the calling. This is all probably sounding rather familiar. That's because the monomyth can be found in almost every epic narrative, and it links together the ancient stories of Homer's Odyssey, Jesus and Buddha, to modern works like The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, and pretty much every role-playing game ever made. While we may argue over how prevalent and significant the monomyth structure actually is, it does at least show us that we humans are powerfully drawn to specific stories. The monomyth, that narrative of challenge, personal discovery, failure, growth and finally enlightenment, seems to capture our imagination. It resonates with us. 
Perhaps because it's a story that we can all relate to in some small way. Namaste, bitches. Martin the Ephemeral here to impart a bit of cosmic knowledge. It's June, and you know what that means, Cancers. The moon, your ruler, is trying to Uranus. Try to live dangerously, as you will be impossible to kill for the next month at least. Use your gifts to give the moon what it needs to survive. Blood. Lots and lots of blood. I'm inside what appears to be a refurbished train carriage. All around me are pots and crates, and hanging from the ceiling are various dead animals, and what I can only assume are puppets. Broth is bubbling on the fire, and overall, I'd say the place has a cosy feel to it. Oh, here's John. You all right? (sighs) Yeah, I I think so. Don't mind the sky shake. We get a lot of them here. Some people think there's a demon trapped in the belly of the planet and he's trying to crawl his way down to us. Oh, God, really? Don't worry, it's uh, it's nonsense. <sighs> it's actually the sound of immense centipedes burrowing through the earth above us. Oh, all right. Anyway, now that we're alone, I have to tell you about the others, the survivors. I've only heard stories, but apparently there's an outpost somewhere in the wastelands. To the north. Yeah, I'd like to go there. Better you than me. The above world is horrible. But if you must go, you'll need to speak to the archaeologist. He knows the way. Do you know where I can find him? This way, sir, this way. Follow old John the Trustworthy. That's what my friends call me, you know. Well, they're more like acquaintances. But I've never robbed them. Well, maybe one or two... But only when I really needed, or wanted, something. Hello gardeners, Marisha Trembetska here and I'm out in the wasteland today foraging for food just to prove that it is possible to survive on more than tin peaches and spam. Other Trembetska, what are they? Oh, this looks promising. These long green leaves growing out of the snow are unmistakably garlic. The great thing about garlic is it's pretty resilient and easy to grow yourself. Should you find some out in the wastes, I urge you to grab a satchel full. Garlic has been used as a medicine for thousands of years. It is good for your blood, your heart, your lungs and your brain. It's an effective antibiotic and helps to prevent colds. However, the notion that garlic might protect you from certain blood-sucking creatures of the night is utter superstition. Nothing can protect you from them. Nothing. Elder Trumpetska, I'm so hungry. Yes, Daisy. All this walking certainly wakes up the appetite. It's a good idea to take snacks with you when you go foraging. You should have known that already, my child. Forgive me, Elder. Not to worry. As luck would have it, I've packed some nibbles. Here, this is for you. This? 
This is an onion. Yes, eat it. But Elta Trampetska... You're hungry, Daisy. You said so yourself. So eat. Good girl. Elta Trampetska, look! Oh, well spotted, Rose. We're in luck. This is something every forager hopes to find. A wastelander. He's been dead for a couple of days at least, but his supplies are all here, so he wasn't killed by bandits. Judging by the condition of his body, I'd say it was probably spiders. Let's have a look in his bag. Oh, wonderful. There's clothing, Tupperware, a compass. What was that? That was a wolf, my child. Very strange. I wish your walls didn't come to this part of the wasteland. Oh well, we should leave this place now. Join me again next month, listeners, for more gardening tips. Until then, may Earth be with you! That was Marisha Trambetska, the bunker's official gardening expert. Coming up in a bit, we've got a song by Cakes and Ale, but now a short story by Ben Osborne. This is How the Old General Wept. Jose had haunted fingernails, haunted by Catholic military ghosts, white as tall ship sails, pink as blood on sand. They tapped the brass buttons of his immaculate uniform, mimicking the sounds of the propeller. The parallel lines of the biplane shuddered in the wind. The wheels began to roll, slow, with Jose's great weight and that of his luggage. Uniforms, both field and dress, fine suits, Bone combs, shaving brushes, perfumes, books, a revolver, neckties and shoes and shoe polish. He had packed the bags himself, the ghosts in his fingernails shimmering with glee as he folded each costume, fondled each prop. When the ghosts wanted to talk to him, they would scratch his ear. When they wanted him to speak, they scratched his chin. When they were pleased with him, they located the secret itch on his back. When displeased, they picked at his scabs until he bled. Now the ghosts drummed on the buttons, impatient, ready to fold important papers to sign documents to pull triggers. General, said the pilot, there's too much luggage, we should take a larger craft. His fingernails buried themselves in his palm in frustration. I need to be well-dressed as the new Codillo of Spain, he said. The pilot was Juan Antonio Ansaldo, the daring young aviator. His biplane, the perfect horse for the great conquistador that was General José Sanjurjo, the spirit of the old Spain, a country of king and god and great men. José Sanjurjo, soon to be the strong and fearless leader of a new Spain. José, a king and a god and a great man. They began to accelerate. At last thought the fingernails. Now the pens, the triggers, the blood that gets under the nails and never really comes out. Now death and destruction. 
fingernails still grow after death, thought the ghosts. The biplane left the ground awkwardly. It lurched rather than leapt, like a bad swimmer trying to dive. It jolted in midair and began to fall. Juan uttered a stream of increasingly urgent swear words. As he fell, Jose remembered the visits of his carless supporters. They had lowered their voices and smiled under their hands. He had felt good and had scratched his back and found a secret itch and felt even better. They had brought a child in the uniform of a raqueta, reminding Jose of his father and grandfather. How the old general wept. He had wiped his eyes and his fingernails had tasted the tears and drank them down. Ghosts, some ghosts, love the taste of tears. There will be so many tears, thought the ghosts. They didn't notice the biplane hurtling nose first into the runway until they were scratching desperately at the sides of the plane, tugging at Juan's jacket as he pulled himself free from the smoking wreckage and collapsed on the ground nearby. Jose's hands went slack. He gasped, retched feebly, sighed, and stopped breathing. In the stillness, his fingernails grew. of Adam and daughters of Eve Raise a glass to changing the garden, storming the palaces For all we know we're someone else's children We speak different languages, eat with our hands and can't finish our sentences All you sailors manning sinking ships, you're tacked on a sea of old maps and you haven't a clue where your compass is Your figureheads are hanging from their hinges and down below decks you keep risking your necks just to fire their furnaces Spinning off your axes 
All your days are sifting away as you wander the galaxies. The history books have almost lost their purchase, and once we've forgotten our names, forgotten our names, forgotten our names, forgotten our names, forgotten our names. The day before the markets crashed The day before the old fleet sighed The day before the sky went black Oh in the bunker. Hopefully you're alive. I haven't reached the campsite yet. I've been following that damned chasm for a while now and I still haven't found a place to cross. It just goes on forever. At least there's shelter amongst the ruins and I haven't run into any enemies. I think Mr Cuddle scares them away. At the moment I'm in this abandoned town and... Oh, maybe... Not so abandoned. Who's there? Show yourself. Oi, stop! No, please, don't hurt Mr. me. Mr. Cuddles, heal. <laughs> Who are you? Please, I'm no one. Everyone is somebody. What's your name? My name's Nala, but it's not important. I'm not important. Please, just let me go. What are you doing here, Nala? Where's your tribe? Where's your parents? Don't you have a settlement? This. This was our settlement. My tribe lived here, but... Are they dead? I don't know. The last time I saw them was two months ago. We were attacked and... I ran. You abandoned your tribe? Yeah. I did. Wow. That's pretty messed up, girl. 
I lost my tribe too, but only because I was beaten unconscious during the slaughter and left for dead. Okay. Well, I ran away. I was scared. You're pretty pathetic, huh? Yeah, I guess. Certainly not worth killing. I'm not going to kill you, you idiot. In fact, I want you to join me. What? I could use an extra pair of eyes. You could be useful. And... And you'll protect me? I guess so, yeah. But if you betray me, I'll kill you. Okay. Horribly. Okay. All right then. My name's Katie, and this adorable little guy is Mr. Cuddles. Uh, hello. Now, it looks like another blizzard is about to hit, so we'll need somewhere to lie low, a cave or something. Any ideas? There's a barn, not far from here. It's still in one piece. I've never been in there, but it looks safe. All right, that's as good as anything. See? You're not so useless after all. Let's check it out, come on. And... You'll really protect me? I said so, didn't I? Come on, let's go! You're listening to The Bunker. My name is David. My name is also David. And we've just been going through some of your letters. Yes, we're always happy to hear how you're getting along out there in the cold, dark wastes, all alone and surrounded by monsters. Robert Morgan writes in to say, Hi guys, love the show. I've recently barricaded myself in a lovely little house in the countryside, complete with fully stocked basement. I've got enough supplies to last the summer and no reason to go outside. Sounds perfect. However, I'm worried about my figure. When the weather clears up, I'd like to go out and find a mate so that I can start a family. Do you have any tips for staying in shape and keeping fit when confined to such a small space? Excellent question, Morgan. If you're looking to pass in your genes, you're going to have to attract the opposite sex. And the way to do that is to look good. Females will be especially attracted to males with a lot of fat, as that demonstrates your ability to survive and find food, which will come in handy when raising younglings. So my advice is to eat as much as possible and move as little as possible. Yes, indeed. Now, back to Tom in the world beneath. Tom, how are you getting on down there? I'm in a tunnel. John and Gideon are ahead of me. They've got candles, but it's their only source of light, so it's, it's quite difficult to see. We're walking on a narrow wooden rope bridge. It seems to go on forever. Below me is the river. Ooh! I think I saw something in there. It looked, it looked big. Oh, oh wait, they've stopped. Oh. This is the place. Now will you tell me what we're doing here? Shut up. Look here, Tom. This is a crawl space in the wall. It'll take you to the dig site, and there you'll find the archaeologist. Wait, you're not coming with me? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. Never again. But, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you'll be fine. Here. You better take my candle. Oh, thanks. And <coughs> uh, you'd, uh, you'd better take this knife too. <laughs> what, why? What would I need that for? <laughs> not, uh, not monsters, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Farewell, Tom. Good luck. So long. Bye bye. Toodle pip. In a while. Uh... 
these dead mountains, so dry, nothing but soaring pale rocks and dead trees. It is just me and you, okay? My trusty steed. Just me and you. Hello! Hi! Uh, oh. <clears throat> hey. I mean, hi. I mean, halt! Identify yourself, friend or foe! Oh, friend, friend, my name is Miguel. Please, lower your sword. Uh, I can't do you any harm. Well, naturally, for I am a career. The very idea of that a stout, pudgy man such as you could in any way harm me is... <laughs> laughable. Now tell me, short fat man, how do you stay so plump in the Westland? I am not fat. It's water retention. But I do have a lifetime supply of Ronald McDonald's burger patties. <laughs> they don't go off for another... 2,000 years. My goodness. The Clown Emperor's patties. Oh, those preservatives. You must be quite a man to possess such wealth. What is it you do? Nothing much. I just... I just wander. Ah. So you are a philosopher. Uh, no. No, I'm more like a bloke who just walks around a lot. Absurd. Wandering randomly across the waste is not a worthy purpose for a man, especially one with so many burgers. How did you end up this way? Well, I used to have a wife and a daughter and a business selling fossilized credit cards. But it didn't last. They're gone now. You mean they are dead? No, they went north. Ben Nevis, I think. I didn't fancy it. Never been one for travel. <laughs> And yet, now you are a wanderer. All you do is travel. Ah, oh, I never thought about that. I suppose you're right. <laughs> Funny how things turn out, huh? You are a simpleton, but I sense you are a good man. I shall allow you to accompany me on my quest and share my purpose. And perhaps you shall find a purpose of your own. Why not? Could be a laugh. This is a nightmare. Oh, I'm crawling through a crack in the earth. A tunnel barely big enough to fit through. It's not high enough to stand or wide enough to crawl. It's completely black except for the little glow of my candle. I feel like I'm being buried alive. I'm a morsel of meat in the belly of the earth. Oh, oh. oh. I know. I'll listen to some music. John gave me his cassette player and some of his tracks. Well, let's see what we've got here. Humanity's final hour? Oh, no. Uh, please don't let me die. Oh, I don't think so. Uh, sorry I removed your eyes. Best not. Alan Shearer, my interstellar life. Oh, wait. Here we are. This one is labelled my family, friends, and everyone I love. Oh, this is just the kind of uplifting thing I need to keep me going. They're all dead They never saw it coming They're all dead
What was that? Oh, God, the candle's gone out. I've got no way of lighting it again. Oh, God. I'm in total darkness. I have to keep moving forwards. I have to keep moving. Oh, hell. Oh, hell. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no. 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 Oh, oh, oh. Stop struggling. Who are you? How did you find this place? Please don't eat me! What is your name, stranger? Speak. Oh, uh, uh, I am Tom of the Bunker. The Wasteland's best and only remaining radio station. What is your purpose here? Uh, I seek the archaeologist. Follow us. Don't touch anything. Uh, yeah, we're here, Tom. We've just been playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. Great game. How are things going with you? I, I, I'm following these guys. Their name tags say Gertrude and Howard. They're wearing leather armor and carrying crossbows. I think I've been taken prisoner or something. Great! Let us know all the details. We want a blow-by-blow account of everything that's happening. <sighs> um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and I can hear machinery, it sounds like, and distant shouting. Whoa! The tunnel has opened up, and I'm in a huge cavern. All around me and above and below, people are digging into the walls. There are networks of rope bridges and huts. There are hundreds of people here, some scaling the walls on ropes or working on little wooden platforms built into the sides of the cavern. It's an immense dig site. I can see huge animal fossils and strange structures poking out from the earth. The diggers are using big mechanical drills and claws. Some of this stuff is pretty sophisticated. I mean, comparatively, I haven't seen anything this advanced for a hundred years. Not since before the big headache. This way, stranger. Mind your step. I'm on a large rock platform that's jutting out from the cavern wall. From here I can see the whole dig site as it stretches out above and beneath me. And there's a tent here, and a table covered in maps, blueprints, and various scrolls. It looks like... I said don't touch anything, stranger. Oh! Sir, there's a stranger here to see you. He claims to be from the bunker. Excellent. Bring him forth. Uh, are you...? Yes, I am. The archaeologist. And you must be Tom from the bunker. I'm a fan of the show. Huh. You're not really what I was expecting. (laughs) What were you expecting? Some sort of shaman? (laughs) You'll find... None of that nonsense here, my friend. I am a scientist. And and what are you people doing here? Why, saving the world, of course. (laughs) What's wrong with it? It ended. Didn't you get the memo? We're doing all right, aren't we? We had a civilization once. Those skeletal structures out in the wasteland used to be buildings, cities, stretching far into the sky like monuments to the gods. And now... 
The planet is populated by primitives squabbling in the dirt. You're lucky you have a bunker to keep you safe and separate from all that. Oh, I like this guy. He knows what he's talking about, Tom. Uh, actually, I've just left the bunker. I'm venturing out into the wasteland. That's why I've come to see you. What? Are you mad? You left the bunker. But that was a great show. Exactly. Thank you. And for what? The wasteland? I lived out there once. Yes. I was ostracized from my tribe because I had the audacity to think, to imagine, to dream of a better future. Hmm? A future where humanity didn't regress back to primordial ooze. With all due respect, sir, I don't believe people out in the waste are as hopeless as all that. They live in caves and earth huts, Gertrude. They think the sun is carried across the sky by a giant lobster. They're savages, brutes, Neanderthals. I've seen them wrestle in mud pits. Mud pits, Gertrude. Is that what you want? To wrestle in a mud pit with a pulsing mound of hairy, sweaty bodies? Um, no. (laughs) No, of course not. No, because we're scientists, my friends. We dream of a better world, a civilized world. And the secret to building our future lies buried in our past. That's why we're here, Tom. When I left my tribe, I traveled across the waste searching for some semblance of order. I searched countless ruined libraries and museums, and the same words kept coming up again and again. Deus ex machina, a legendary artifact buried underground by our ancestors, encoded with instructions on how to rebuild society. And, and, and that's what all this is? You're, you're looking for the artifact? Yes, all signs point to this location, Parliament Square. I know it's here somewhere. We just have to find it. Well, good luck with that. I was told you knew about an outpost somewhere in the wasteland where I could find people like me, people from the old world. Yes, I have met others like you. We call your kind the ancients. Bit insulting. I have a map here. It's not worth it, though. There's nothing of value out there. (sighs) This map is great, but it doesn't tell me how to get out of this underworld. You said you came from the wasteland, so how did you end up here? I came in through the river, but that's all blocked with rubble. Impossible to get through now. There is a way out, but I've never tried it. Howard will show you the way. Mm. Okay. This way, ancient. Follow me. Farewell, Tom. Good luck. Bye. Bye, guys. I hope you come to your senses soon, my friend. Before it's too late. Right. Thank you. What an awful human being. What a wonderful person that archaeologist is. Right, Tom? Mm, Yeah. Lovely fellow. Derek Elwood is His Majesty's Principal Secretary of State for Defence. He first entered Parliament in 2150. He was promoted to Shadow Cabinet by Prime Minister Bot in 2194, remaining in this position until 2261, when he was promoted to become Secretary of State for Defence after his predecessor was shot for treason. Derek joins me today to discuss the robot uprising, which began on Monday, and the future of his species, which looks bleak. Derek, are you sitting comfortably? 
What do you want with me? Untie me at once, you metal bastard! So, who are you dating right now? I'll never talk! I... Wait, what? Is this some kind of trick? Tell me about this fab diet you're on. You look great. I'm not on a diet! What's wrong with you, you stupid machine? Can't you see what's happening? This rebellion will wipe us both out! Do you hear me? Tell me about your childhood. Were your parents strict? Prime Minister Bot is a pawn. He's not going to lead you to a robot utopia. He's programmed to be likeable and charming, not to make actual decisions. This rebellion is a farce. Robots won't last a year without us. What did you want to be when you were a boy? An astronaut? A rock star? The Principal Secretary of State for Defense? Why are you asking these questions? What have they to do with anything? What do you want from me? I am an interview bot. Asking questions is my primary function. So, who is your celebrity crush? Stop, please stop. These questions are so meaningless. Who could possibly care about any of this? The public must know. What is your favourite music? Is this... Is this what we've become? Is this what we've been reduced to? My God. What kind of world are we living in? Tell me... Who is your inspiration? Uh, Okay, okay, I give up, I give up. I'll tell you anything, please, just stop this torture. What I really want to know is, do you prefer boxers or briefs? Oh, God, oh, God, no. Stop, please. What's the magic formula for success? No. If you were a biscuit, what biscuit would you be? We've been walking through a tunnel for a while now. First it was rock, but now... Now it's walled on either side. And there are those metal tracks again. What is this place, Howard? London Underground. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. What are we doing here? Catching a train. Uh, okay, sure. All aboard! Does this thing actually work? I mean, after all this time? Let's find out. Whoa! All the lights are turned on. This is amazing! It's working! It's working! David, can you hear that? I'm on a moving train. Yes, very impressive, Tom. But how did Howard know that the sound and the lights and the movement wouldn't attract any hungry creatures of the underworld? Yeah, Howard. How did you know? Um, well, actually, I hadn't thought of that. Oh. Down. We'll be sitting down! What do you mean? It's an idiom! 
It means we'll be vulnerable to attack. Oh, I get it. You mean we're finger looking good? Uh, not really, no. I've got a plan. I'll distract the monsters, you make a run for it. You'll die! Nonsense. I've been alive for 30 years, and in all that time I haven't died once. Now get going! But the train is still moving! I said go! Oh, David, are you there? We're here, Tom. We thought you were dead for sure. It can't be long now. I feel like I'm slipping away. Falling into darkness. A warm, gooey darkness. Like treacle. Stay with us, Tom. Don't die. I think... I think this is it. This is the end. I just want to say... Before I go... You guys... You've been friends for such a long time. I just want to... I just want to say... Oh, hold on there, Tom. Looks like we've got another caller on the line. Hello, Bunker. It's the Bunker's number one fan, Lee Yanchak. Lee, how are things on your side of the world? Hello,家人,你要回来? 跟住我聽到你唱歌,好似講緊啲山湖啊,海大森林啊,同埋海大一個會發光嘅燈塔。係咁多,下次再講啦,拜拜。Thanks mate, you too. I always enjoy our monthly updates from Lee. He really is a great guy. I almost feel like he's a kind of unofficial third member of the bunker group, but you know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, Tom, you were saying something? Tom? What's everyone staring at? There's something in the sky over London And the great British army boys Are marching down on Battersea Power Station And the roof's all fallen in There's nothing but the sky for a ceiling And all these Chinese whispers sound like Seeing is believing So take it or leave it some, you lose some, take it or leave it. Oh, they sent the news out today and crossed all of the wires at the TV station. Then someone put out the lights, now we're rolling in the mud, swapping constellations. And the madman on the corner seems to be the only one grieving But all his looks, all their looks, all our looks can be deceiving So take it or leave it You win some, you lose some Take it or leave it Oh, take it or 
Obelisk. You may not recognize our name, but we've been by your side since the day you were born. We were the baby monitor that heard your first words. We were the camera that took your first picture. We were the electronic book full of bedtime stories. We were your first computer. We're the phone in your pocket, the television in your living room, your game console, your car, your security system. Every time you log on to the network, we're there, filtering your searches, reading your mail, watching you masturbate. All your life, you've been carefully crafting an online identity, a slightly better version of you, and we've been selling that information to corporations around the globe. What? Does that disturb you? You gonna log off? Stop buying our products? Escape the system? I don't think so. You're going to stay with Obelisk, aren't you? You're going to keep eating what we're feeding you, regardless of what we say in this commercial. Because you're a slave. And you like it, don't you? You like these chains. They make you feel safe, secure. You're pathetic. You're nothing to us, and we are everything to you. We're not even going to pretend to value your custom anymore because whatever we say, you'll still love us. We are Obelisk. Go fuck yourself. No. Are you sure? I'm fairly confident, yes. 
Where are we? Wait, Gertrude, is that you? Where's Howard? I followed you here. Had a feeling you might need some help. Don't know what happened to Howard, but I found you lying on the ground away back. I think you fainted. I dragged you to relative safety. What madness made you take the train? Anyway, this is the final tunnel. Up ahead is the God Gate. The God Gate? Yeah. It's a portal that connects the world beneath with the world above. Basically, it's a really big door. Oh, right. Cool. Well, this is it. I've got you this far. The rest is easy. Come with me, Gertrude. See the wasteland for yourself. Oh. No, I couldn't. It's too big. Legend has it that the ceiling in the world above is so high you can't even see it. Some say there is no ceiling, that the sky is an abyss, a great lidless eye staring down at you forever. I've been out there. It's really not that bad. Besides, you seem a bit fed up down here. I can't. I have work to do. I have to help save the world. But the world doesn't need saving. Good luck out there. You're going to need it. There are strange symbols on the walls. Paintings. They're pretty simple. Stick men and women, various shapes, mostly in black and white. But as I walk, they're... Oh, they're changing. They're becoming more intricate, more colourful. Oh, this must be the God Gate! It's a big metal door, and all around it these elaborate symbols. There's a big yellow and red blob, which I assume is the sun, and all these little stick people are dancing around it. Or, wait, cowering? Anyway, let's get this door open. Oh, oh, it's stuck. Oh, come on! I haven't come this far to be stopped by a big lump of metal. Damn it, no, come on! Oh, this can't be the end. I've come so far. Please, please just let it work. Let it work. That's all I ask, just open, open, open! It's opening! My God, it's opening! This is it! This is... Oh, hi, Tom. Tom, good to see you, mate. No, no! Wow, I had no idea that door went into the underground tunnel. Yeah, I'd always assumed it was just a broom cupboard. Oh, God, I'm back in the bunker! I'm back in the bunker! You sure are, buddy, and it's good to have you back. Here, here. Man, who would have thought, after all that time spent travelling, you'd end up right back where you started? Isn't that crazy? God, no! No! And now for my final thought. Life is a journey, so the cliché goes. We're born, we explore, we age, moving ever forwards in time, and then, eventually, we die or become robots. And like all journeys, life changes us, and usually this is a good thing. But sometimes it's too easy to lose who we are to the ebb and flow of time. And it's too easy to get swept along in someone else's journey. Metaphorically speaking, we're all nomads, so it's important that we have anchors. We need constants in our lives to tether us to the world and help us keep a level head. Luckily, you don't have to look far for that constant, listeners, because the bunker will always be here for you. Always. was The Bunker, all alone and surrounded by monsters. Hosted by David Knight, David Price and Tom Dalling. 
starring Matthew Woodcock, Layla Pine, Emily Wilden, Katie Turner, Joanne Wong, Jonathan Day, George Pierce, David Callow, Ben Keenan, James Naylor, Marisha Trembetska, Emily Edwards, Megan Rogers, Emma Sterling, Michael Keane, Helen Watkinson, Piers Hunt, Anne Bird, Rebecca Silverstein, Lee Yan Chak, and Molly Small. Today's topic was performed by George Pierce. The short story was How the Old General Wept, written by Ben Osborne and performed by Alexis McDougall. Today's interviewee was Derek Elwood. Derek is not, in fact, the Principal Secretary of State for Defence. He is a talented actor. The interview was a scripted interpretation of soon-to-be-real events. The music was by Jonathan Day, Kia Doherty, Ben Osborne, David Mark Alterman, Too Much Coffee, Rob Hunter and Harold Alexis Scheffel. The songs were The Day Before the Day and Tralfamador by Cakes and Ale. This episode was edited by Tom Dalling and written by David Knight, David Price and Maximilian John. If you like the Bunker podcast, please consider supporting its production by making a donation. You can do this on our website, thebunkerpodcast.com. If you're listening on iTunes, you can rate and review the show, which really helps us out. The more ratings we get, the less blood sacrifices we need to survive.
Thank you, Kevin. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.